Hi, my name's Hayley Peel, and something that you probably wouldn't know about me is that my life could have taken a very different direction when I was about nine years old, it was, because I auditioned to be Tracy in Coronation Street. And for those poms out there, they'll know what Coronation Street is, but it's a daily soap that's um, aired in the UK. And... Um, Unfortunately, I was um, two years too young for the uh, for the role. Um, and so um, I'm actually very grateful that I didn't get the role despite auditioning, because uh, I don't think I'd be sat here in Australia right now. My name is Daniel Ferugia and welcome to another episode of the Trail Runners Experience. Hayley Teal, welcome to the Trail Runners Experience podcast. It's really good to have you. I'll just do a very quick introduction. Hayley Teal has accomplished a number of massive ultra wins. So most recently, the Brisbane Trail 110k ultra, first place female. And it was a good thing because you were the race ambassador. Um, the first place at the Scenic Rim Ultra. First place at the Elephant Trail Race 50k. And I believe you did the 25 as well. And second at the Razorback Run this year, and also knocked out a 50-kilometre backyard ultra in five hours and seven minutes, which is pretty bloody impressive during isolation. So you've had a pretty amazing year, despite the fact that we've had COVID and there hasn't been a lot of races. I've been very fortunate, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and really cool. Um, so yeah, you, you're... um running well obviously the you for my the listeners in um in south australia which there are a few we you a lot of people would know hayley i would know you hayley because you were a, a pretty main your fixture of a lot of the adelaide trail scene but now you've relocated to queensland where in queensland are you um, so I'm located at the bottom of uh, Tambourine Mountain. So Tambourine Mountain's quite a touristy area for people that are staying on the Gold Coast. So it's kind of just touching on the Gold Coast hinterland. Um, and yeah, I live at the at the base of Tambourine Mountain, which it isn't really a mountain. If I run up to the top from my house, it's about 325 metres elevation. So it's a good hill climb. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not a mountain but they claim it as a mountain around here so i'm not going to argue <laughs> yeah and um how often do you climb to the top of it oh it's um it's my daily playground out there so i, I live on the edge um, of the um tambourine national park and there's various yeah. different hills out there different gradients um but i'm out there every day yeah i love it out there it's like my private back garden <laughs> it's so great i love it's so great to live to have your own trail background like i mean i'm live like I've, many listeners know i live really close to black hill here in adelaide and oh, um yeah. same kind of thing like it's not a huge hill but it's got plenty of, i can be on the trail in in um in less than 10 minutes um and so or five that's running from my front door probably i think seven minutes will get me to the bottom of the urabilla trail and so um so yeah that's um that's amazing and you're um so you spent a fair bit of time on the trails around home and stuff and look as I, I was doing a bit of research i was just um perusing your your strava just from this year and you know lots of running and 
And because um, I do a lot of coaching and sort of looking at the type of training that you do, and you're you have a very a very varied training sort of routine, which I really like. You know, like um, you do everything from loads of hill repeats to um, your speed work and strides to uh, strength work and you're um, weighted. You like you do love a weighted vest, don't you, Haley? Tell me about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I because I've got the hill at the back of the house, um, I like to try and get some training load in that reduces impact on the joints. Um, so if I've, you know, maybe – um, backing up a long run or um, if I've done a speed set the night before and just want an easier session in the, the following morning I find that the weight vest um, really helps with that because it's building the strength through the core and the body but without the impact um, if you're just you know hiking so I do some power hiking and it also helps wow. with the ultras um, you know power hiking through the hills and the ultras um, yeah. I do a little bit of running with the weight vest but not not as much as I do hiking because you've got to be really careful when running with with that added weight in there um, yeah. and I think I've got about eight and a half kilos in there at the moment so yeah running oh, wow. with that with that extra weight you've got to be really careful with the knees and things <laughs> and you don't want to roll an ankle with that weight in <laughs> yeah so that's interesting because I think a lot of people would think well if you can run with the weight vest you surely you can make it even faster but there, do you think there's like a sweet spot you know, in yes. terms of how much you can carry and get benefit out of? Yeah, I do. And, and you know, you, there's also that very fine line between the the injury that can come with wearing the weight vest. So you've got to be, yeah, you've got to be super careful with that and, and get the balance right. Um, I do prefer to hike in it because um, I do find then when, when you put your, your race pack on and you're hiking, it feels a whole lot easier. Yeah, would yeah, and um so because i mean we especially in longer races you know your packs can get quite heavy i mean i think the heaviest i've ever weighed my pack was probably like four kilos which is not much but it really does start to feel heavy towards the end doesn't it like when you get especially when the fatigue sets in hey that's <laughs> right and for some of the mountain runs and um, when you've got full waterproofs and thermals and then you've got to carry you know i know for razorback the first aid station's 42 kilometers so you've got to carry fuel and fluid to get you you know round to 42 kilometers in the mountains so you know when you're setting off um with a race pack with all that gear in as well as your first aid it can get pretty heavy so it's definitely yeah. worth training either with your fully loaded race pack or, or with a weight vest if, you know, it's just quicker and easier in the morning to throw that on than load up my pack. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I, I think when I was a kid, I used to train. My dad was my coach, and he probably pushed me a bit too hard sometimes, like a lot of dads have been known to do. Um, he used to get me to train with ankle weights on. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So have you ever run with ankle weights? Or anything like that I, on, on different parts of your body? Um, I've, I've done strength work with ankle weights. So I've got a set of ankle weights. I've never tried running with them. Um, yeah. I'm not too sure why, actually. I suppose it's more a kind of a targeted area, whereas the weight vest, the weight's kind of distributed a bit more evenly. Um, but I think for strength work in the gym, they're great. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. Like if some, So did you sort of, with the weight, the vest did you build up to it 
with the weight slowly like did yeah or, yeah so where, where did you start like four kilos or something or th- or, or three kilos yeah. yeah, I started with four kilos and then when that started to feel easy, um, I just added, because it's a weight vest that has the sunbugs. So as that got, as that felt easier, I just gradually increased the weight. But it's funny, after doing um, Brisbane Trail Ultra, before Brisbane Trail Ultra, I was power hiking up the, the climb up the back of the house and, and, you know, eight and a half kilos was feeling really easy. But I thought, well, I'm oh, not yeah. going to increase it. Now I'm getting too close to an ultra to, you know, to be increasing the weight. But then after Brisbane Trail Ultra, going back through the recovery stages, I put the weight vest on and I was like, how the hell did I get up the hill with this on? <laughs> but Amazing. that to show that I wasn't recovered. So it was a really good trigger for me because um, yeah. like, everything, the shoulders were aching, the back was aching. I was struggling to get up the hill and I was like, yeah, OK, I'm, I'm really not recovered yet. But then I put it back on at the beginning of last week and it felt great again. So I was like, OK, that's a really good indicator that I'm I'm recovered now and then I can do this again. <laughs> yeah, that's it is interesting because uh, yeah, all your, your joints. I mean, there's people just sort of um, I think when they're recovering from a big race, they just think oh they're thinking about how their muscles feel, but it's more than that, isn't it? It's, it's so much more like the joints, the ankles, you know, there's all the ligaments. It, everything's has been through the ringer, hasn't it? So. <laughs> everything yeah and the mind as well I think the mind's a big factor you know if you if you're struggling to get out of bed in the morning or you know you're dreading the training run you know that can also be a a factor in there and and you may need a bit more recovery or you may need to change up the training for a little while and you know maybe do some gym or get on the bike or whatever he did that you get your enjoyment out of that's going to aid with your recovery but yeah I think some sometimes people jump in too soon um and and they push themselves through it but you know we do this because we enjoy it and i think sometimes you need to factor that in as well yeah um that's really good point like about people jumping back in too soon i i think we've all done it at some point um jumped in too early and i know that i i do you feel like if you have if you recover properly from a race that you benefit from that race more in your next block of training Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think you're allowing, you know, everything to kind of fully repair before going back in. And I know recovering from Brisbane Trail, um, like my daughter does quite a lot of the training sessions. That I do a few group training sessions a week. And yeah. so I would take her on a Wednesday evening. We do speed work. But, you know, for a few weeks after Brisbane Trail, my, my body wasn't ready to do speed work. But no. I would still be up there and I would take Caitlin and, and while she was doing the training, I would just do an easy jog around the outside of the oval while everybody was doing their speed session. And that was enough for me. You know, it was great to aid recovery, but there was no way I was going to be pushing or trying to, you know, to keep up and do a speed set. Um so, you know, I got the social interaction. I got to see my friends, but I wasn't trying to do something that I wasn't ready to do yet. Yeah, that's really smart. I think the restraint, I think, is what sets a good runner apart from a great runner. You know what I mean? Like, because I, I look at, you know, you look at some of the best runners in the world, regardless of whether they're trail runners or road runners, and it is, it's having that discipline to know when not to run and know when to go easy and when to go hard and how hard to go, sort of that intensity discipline. So that's really Absolutely. good. And yeah. I think the media these days, it, it's so hard to get wrapped in what wrapped up in what everybody else is doing that sometimes, you know, you see people Stravas or you see 
you know, people's Facebook and you see people jump in in and you know they may have recovered faster from you and you you sometimes feel a bit of pressure from that or you're wondering why you've not recovered but you know everybody's unique and and it takes a bit of time I mean I've learned from experience I've jumped in you know too soon and I've overtrained you know and it and it takes a bit of time to understand yourself and what you need um so yeah you know don't get me wrong I've I've made plenty of mistakes in the past <laughs> um yeah well that's how you become a better runner isn't it there's no such thing as failures is there there's just lessons absolutely <laughs> always learning and even now you know you, you go in now to races and you're always learning something I don't think you can ever enter an ultra marathon and not come away you know without having learned something new yeah that's really, I think, a good attitude. Um, you were saying about your daughter recently, and um, she's a bit of a weapon. At the, she's sort of on the rise, isn't she? Um, how old is your daughter? Fifteen. Fifteen. Fourteen. Oh, fourteen. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, starting to see you doing a, a lot of runs with her, and um, the popping up on social media. And so, has she got the the hunger? Oh yeah, she loves it. And um, when she she did little athletics for a while, and you know we we delved in a little bit of track running with the athletics, um, and then she did a, a little bit of road running, um, and she really enjoyed that. Um, but since we moved to Queensland, because we're surrounded by trails here and the roads, we don't have footpaths oh. where we are. We're quite rural, so. Yeah, yeah, the trails are the safest place to be, other, other than the snakes, but that's a different story. But yeah, the, the <laughs> trails are the safest place to be. So, yeah. um, you know, she started to come out in the trails with me and she's, her, her love of the trails has just grown. And I absolutely love that because that means that she spends more time with me out there and, and she started to enjoy some trail races. And, you know, when I'm racing, quite often events put on shorter distances and so it means that she can come along and get to enjoy that as well which has been really good so like at the elephant run um she did a shorter distance and um yeah I'll always try it Razorback she did the 21 kilometers along the Razorback whilst I was out there um yeah so it yeah it's, it's really good now that she's at that age uh where she's got some independence but also you know she can come out and enjoy these things with me excellent and I, I imagine you'd be a pretty decent coach for her and um and you know the quality time would be great as well um does she have desires to step up to the bigger distances one day yeah she does yeah um but she's quite sensible in that she's not trying to push too hard too soon you know we've we've yeah. talked about development and how it you know it takes a long time and you know she's seen me hobbling around after 100 kilometers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and if that's not enough to put anybody off I don't know what it is <laughs> but she's exactly. determined um the uh the Brisbane Trail Ultra that has a 100 mile option and yeah I think it was a couple of days after the Brisbane Trail Ultra she said I think I'm going to do a mile one day mum and I was like okay that's great I'll uh, I'll put my crewing hat on when you get to that stage <laughs> yeah goodness that's um that's ambitious I, th- I mean it's like and I mean, everyone, they say you're not an ultra runner until you've done a miler. So technically I'm not an ultra runner. And so, um, yeah. I've never, I've never done one, but, um, yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I will, I look forward to watching her, um, develop alongside you and you, you've shown, uh, showing no signs of slowing down. Um, 
like I say, in the year of COVID, when there wasn't a lot on, you still managed to smash a few good races. Um, tell us about the Brisbane Trail Ultra, because from what I hear, it was a very, um, it's quite a hard course, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's quite hilly. Um, so, yeah, yeah over, I think it was over 4,000 metres of elevation in the 110k. Um, yeah. But, yeah, anyway, it's a beautiful course. So it, it takes in, you know, um, some of Brisbane's best trails. Um, but it is, you're kind of going up or down the whole way. <laughs> Um, yeah. And so the last five kilometres, when you hit the riverbank in the city, then you've got some flat there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just the last that, five. <laughs> just the last five kilometres, yeah, yeah. I imagine your legs are pretty toasted by then anyway. So. <laughs> certainly were by that point, that's right. But, yeah, uh, yeah it, was, um, it was a great day. Um, it was hot and a lot of people, there were a lot of DNFs because of the weather. It was, yeah, it was really hot. And some of the sections were quite exposed. Um, and aid stations, they were great, but there weren't a huge amount of aid stations out there. And considering the weather, that got quite difficult at times. But something that I learned um, after the event, which I found really interesting, is that when races um, offer points for UTMB or um, International Trail Running Association points, um, there are a lot of factors that go into the calculation of those points. And Brisbane Trail Ultra, uh, you can acquire quite a lot of points towards UTMB and towards your ITRA scoring. Um, and one of the factors that comes into that is is self-sufficiency. So so how many aid stations are out there? Ah. So the more aid stations that are on a course, the lower the scoring. Right. So the more difficult it is and the more you have to carry. So, you know, you're fluid between aid stations and things and, and be more self-sufficient um, than the, the higher the score. Yeah. So That's I found true. that quite interesting. So it's, would you say so? You had to be pretty self-sufficient on that one, did you? Yeah, there was there was yeah quite some distance between aid stations on that course. Yeah, what like the, like in some ultras, you would find aid stations every kind of ten, twelve kilometers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you you know, in some cases, you would be going, I think, over twenty-five kilometers between yeah. checkpoint one and two. I can't recall exactly, but yeah, it was it was a fair distance on a hot day. Yeah um that's interesting i actually enjoy that like i don't know i enjoy that challenge of ultras where it's a long way between um drinks and um because i i think that that really sorts out the runners the sort of your your sort of your fun runners so to speak if there is such a thing as a fun runner in a 100k but you know and and the people who really because you have to be really organized don't you if you're um you know running with so you got to you know roughly how much food you're going to need between the aid stations, how much uh, water. So is that something you spend a lot of time doing with all your races, like getting the, the really nailing the logistics? Yeah. So yeah, I'll study where the aid stations are and and know what I need to carry, you know, between aid stations. And obviously it's all it's all published beforehand, so you're you're fully aware of where things are going to be and and you know how long um you need to allow for so you know you can't say that it's unexpected um and i i'm the same as you i i really like paul ashton's um races running wild in victoria because his races are very raw and rugged i mean mentioning Razorback before 42 kilometers to the first aid station yeah (laughs) uh, and and you know you've got two 
mountain climbs before that as well so yeah, uh, wow. and, you know no course markings so yeah you know if, if you want to fill up in between there's a there's a river that goes through um that you can fill up and you can take your sanitizing products but i, I like that element you know it's this it, it brings a bit of adventure to the course I, exactly and that's i think um what i yeah i enjoy about um ultras generally is that sense of adventure you know that sense of you know it's don't think of it as a i mean yes it's a race but it's also just as like it's you versus the the elements you know and you versus the the, the course and and um yeah that's that's exciting yeah so um the that paul ashton he organizes the alpine challenge as well doesn't he the that's I, yeah, he yeah does. that's a pretty um epic 100 miler isn't it have you ever have you ever done that or any milers i've never done miler um so i've been over to alpine challenge and i've done the 100k twice i think it is um yeah yeah, beautiful course i I love it out there it's an an amazing place um the weather's always the most challenging factor over there because you really don't know what what you're going to get dealt with (laughs) i know you could have interesting or it'll be hot. <laughs> that's right you know? that's right yeah. yeah absolutely and you can get both in one day over there as well yeah how exciting <laughs> um so you're like me you're not an ultra runner according to the the, um, the philosophy of that's right. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm pretty pretty safe to say you are but um <laughs> actually before you were an ultra runner i i have it on good authority you would uh you don't you didn't mind riding the bike you were you a bike you like to ride the bike that's right. Yeah, I did um, did quite a bit of cycling. My husband's um, a cyclist, and um, I had a I ended up with a knee injury once from running, um, and uh, decided to jump on the bike just to keep fit. I didn't want to lose my fitness whilst I couldn't run, and um, and then ended up on the bike for two years. So yeah. it took, um, yeah, just just finding different challenges, and and I did a little bit of running, just social running, really, with friends whilst I was cycling. Um, but yeah, I was I had a coach, and I was racing, and I was in a ladies racing team, and I also did a few cycling events. So I went over and did the Three Peaks Challenge twice, um, and really enjoyed that, and did an Everest on the bike, um, all did. kind of like self challenges um but yeah that was i had loads of fun on the bike loved it it's um interesting i actually this is the last week i interviewed a really great um runner from south australia um or she's not from south australia but um i don't know if you know sonia jansen she's a yeah and she um also did an everesting challenge and we talked about that um and so um you've got something but you were the if i'm not mistaken were you the first um, woman in South Australia to do an Everesting challenge? Yes, that's right. Yes, that's okay. You're allowed to blow your own trumpet a little bit. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's um not a, I guess yeah. What a massive feat. Where did you do it? Which hill in here in? The... Um, it was called Wickham's Hill. Uh, at, well, oh, well, it was in McLaren Vale. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was uh, it. Was it was just. A fairly quiet hill so because obviously the the road traffic you've got to be really conscious of especially as you're getting tired through the day um so yeah that was it was interesting the whole logistics and teamwork surrounding that event was was really good fun and i did it for my birthday so i yep. had quite a few people showing up through the day um i think i was only on my own through the whole challenge for the first two hours 
other than yeah. that I had different yeah friends and um my husband and children were at the top along with some friends and they had a sausage sizzle going and music at the right. top and so every time I reached the top of the hill before going back down again it was like a little party which was fantastic yeah wow was it um how long did it take you oh just over 18 hours oh okay that's pretty quick realist like I mean I've looked at some of the Everesting times I mean it's yeah it's a bloody tough challenge like did you come off the bike at all I know I hear stories of people coming having little crashes here and there and some slightly bigger crashes when they're fatigued did anything like that happen really lucky uh, the fatigue so I think I had to do gosh we're going back a while now but I think it was 43 uh, repeats that I to do to meet the challenge and um and I felt really good I kept up with the nutrition and and I felt really good all day um and it wasn't until I had about five repeats left and the body was starting to yeah really take a toll at that point and it was dark and the weather changed so we actually had really strong winds coming which when you're on the bike you really feel um and then we had rain so we were having sideways rain hitting us but luckily there were four other people my husband by this point because we'd we'd got a sitter in for the children and he'd come back out with his bike he was making sure I was going to finish it because that's one of the conditions I said you you cannot let me fail I have to finish this challenge so no matter what I've got to yeah. you've got to keep going. So he was under strict instructions to make sure I I achieved it towards the end. So he was with me, and then there were a few others from the Hills 500 crew that had come out as well, which was fantastic. So they were all chatting around me, and I was literally just head down pedaling. And yeah, the last five laps felt like they took four days, but we got there. <laughs> Amazing. Um, do you like? Would you say that would be up there with one of the toughest things you've done? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and, and memorable as well. It was, yeah, it was such a good day Um, and and a self-achievement. You know, it's not, it's not a race. It's, you don't get a medal at the end. Um, But it was just something that I, you know, set out to do and I'd trained for. I had a a few big training days in the lead up to it where I did like a quarter of an Everest then I did half an Everest so that I knew that, you know, what to expect and, you know, how I would be feeling obviously it wasn't a full one but the best you can do from a training perspective um so yeah a lot of planning went into that yeah that's incredible like it's so good now I may have looked up some of your stats for your running just from this year you've knocked out 137,000 plus meters of elevation on your feet running do you like I'm if I was a betting man I would say you have a pretty good shot at Everesting on the trail is that and running would you ever is that something that's ever crossed your mind I've crossed my mind yeah um, but I don't have any firm ones yet um, yeah I did um I did a challenge in May um with an American company it was called Limitless Vertical Challenge um and I did the Everest in the week so um yeah, yeah morning uh, I was working, so it was literally morning and evening, just accumulating as much food as possible. Um, and I got the the Everest equivalent. Um, so that was great. That was a really good training week. Um, yeah, yeah. But to do it in one day, I think I think my main concern would be 
the impact on the joints from the downhill. And I know that you can do an Everest where you can run oh, uphill yeah. and you can get somebody to drive you downhill. Yeah. Um, I know David Turnbull did that uh, and, yes. and successful at that. And I can under- fully understand why, because it's the downhill that trashes the quads and the knees. Um, if it was just an uphill, then I would probably, yeah, jump at the chance. I, I feel like most people now... I mean, it was amazing what David Turnbull did, but I think most people now would want to do it the, the real, the proper way, like the full way up and down. And um, I know I would. Um, you know, Mick, uh, Mick Keaton, who I think you know pretty Absolutely. well. Yeah. yeah. He he smashed it on um on one of our good trails here. <laughs> yeah. He's really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a tough hill, and like I, I actually talked about this on last week's podcast, but um yeah it's um I always say to people go out and do one repeat of that hill, um or even five repeats. If you can get through five without falling, then you've only got to do about forty five more. <laughs> so loose as well, isn't it? On the downhill, there's lots of loose gravel, so it yeah. can be pretty slippy underfoot. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a challenge, you know. So um, yeah, the yeah. terrain. You've really got to be careful choosing the hill because the terrain can make it so much more difficult. You know, the technical climbing, the gradients. Um, yeah, lot, lots of planning would go into that. But I haven't ruled it out. But I'd, yeah, I would um, have to certainly put more thought into that. Yeah, I think it's it, it seems like a natural evolution for for a lot of for trail running challenges. I'm not just I'm not like pushing you in in particular, but it just seems like because that seemed out of the realm of possibility a few years ago, um, and then when the cyclists started doing it, I think a lot of runners started scratching their heads and having a think about it because um, you know runners do love to accumulate a lot of vert. Um, <laughs> To have both the cycling and the running. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't yet listened to Sonia's podcast, but um, because uh, Sonia's now done the Everest on the bike, so is she yeah. planning on doing the run Everest? Uh well, you'll have to have a listen. Well, <laughs> and, um, actually, yeah. as we record, as we record this, it hasn't actually been published, but it will be published very soon. Um, but you'll be able to have a have a listen. So yeah, she she is it equally intrigued i think but um so it's it's a hell of a challenge and i think if you were to get it on the bike and on 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 foot you would be in pretty rare company you know there wouldn't be many people that would do both so um so yeah um do you think that like obviously you're a very strong hill because i mean you were talking we talked so much about riding up and down hills and and things like that like do you think the bike the time that you spent on the bike was really helpful for your development as a runner yeah I think it was I think they complement each other um because um you know volume wise running I think you've got a sweet spot where um yes you can progress and build on it but you've got to do that very gradually whereas um if you can switch to bike training with running um then i think that can help you progress probably a little faster than if you were just running in saying that i don't do much bike work now because i've got a fairly decent base running wise but i think it helps build that base yeah no i think i think you're right it's definitely good as an alternative especially if you need a break don't i mean um yeah you um so like would you say 
like would you say hill running hills like in a race what are you what's your greatest sort of strength in a race definitely uphill uphill yeah yes the hillier the better for me i'm good yeah and um to be the way i'm not i'm doing better on downhill um it never was a strength of mine previously but i've been working on that so i'm yeah i'm i'm feeling a little bit more confident in the races now to just yeah you know throw myself down there um the flat stuff um, yeah i I I think i just prefer the hills it just that's just me the views are always better at the top, so that's kind of the direction I go in. <laughs> yeah, and I think you break someone on an uphill, and it's a great feeling, especially when you're being when you're competing. You know, if you can move past someone on a hill, it can just crush them. And you know, I always say, run. It's great to be like to the community of running is very like supportive, but it, I always say it's okay to be competitive, and you know, like it's okay to to get out there and switch into proper race mode and. Uh, and so, yeah, if you can break someone on an uphill, then by all means. <laughs> um, so you want to work on your downhills a bit more. And um, how would, like, what sort of things would you do working on your downhills? Like, how do you, because it's that, that eccentric loading as you're hitting, and there's more, so much more damage occurs to the muscles on the way down the hill. So what do you do? Yeah, so um, I actually write it into my weekly plan so that I can, plan my training sessions around it um like you say the the recovery that you need after a a downhill session um you would probably need you know an easy day or two afterwards so just making sure that i'm planning for them kind of sessions within the weekly cycle um and then choosing varied terrain so i think for me, the, where I'm living, it's very technical. So lots of tree roots. I'm on the edge of a rainforest and lots yeah. of rocks and things. So um, I try and get out on different terrain. So some fire trails, some single track, um, some technical, some not so technical, just so that you've got a real good variety in there because you never know yeah. what you're going to get on race day. So true, so true. And um, and then, yeah, yeah. Just, just reps. Uh, I'll try and find the longest hill possible because I tend to find that that's where you're going to get the real benefit. Reps are good. And if that's the best you can find, then it's better than nothing. But, you know, the longer that you can do, the more damage you're doing and then the more repair you've got for the strength. Yeah. Um, I always say with people in a training cycle, if they want to work on their downhill, we want to – you literally just have to – I, I generally want people to put it in sort of later in their training cycle when they're, when they're, when they've been like, I always say, take it easy on the downhills, but still run down the hill. But then, you know, putting in like a, um, oh, what do you call it? Like more targeted downhill work closer to the race, you know, as you're getting further closer so that your body, you know, cause it's, it is, I do feel like it's a, it's a knife's edge with that kind of training as well, because yep. it, I, I feel like it is easier to overdo it and uh, end up with either, you know, some kind of ITB issue. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really interesting um, advice. Do you also, like you talked about where you live, there's lots of different gradients that you run on, you know, do you find, do you do different things on different gradients, different types of training on different gradients? Um, yeah, so I I do quite a lot of um, 
different training on different gradients in terms of like I'll do long hill repeats and then short hill sprints um, and then I'll use the weight vest whether that's hiking you know power hiking reps as well um, and then similarly on the downhill you know I may target a steep section and just go up and down the steep section to practice steep descending um there was a there was a descent in um the Brisbane Trail Ultra that they actually put a rope out for it was that steep and slippy oh geez yeah, yeah wow <laughs> so, yeah, so you know a bit of training beforehand knowing that that was in the race um because it was it was going down into a valley and then climbing back out the other side so you had a very um, I think it was about two kilometres of descending very steeply and then the same up and out the other side. So, um, yeah, if you can try and do some specific work leading into a race, knowing, you know, some of the challenges that are in there, then that's also an advantage. Yeah, that's really and good. And the gym can help as well with the downhills. So, you yeah. know, getting, um, doing some legwork in the gym. I do quite a lot of... Uh, I'll sometimes stick the weight vest on in the gym and do squats, lunges, step ups, plyometrics, um, that kind of thing as well, which which all helps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cannot underestimate the power of um, gym work, hey, and like having having good good strong you know strong wheels essentially, like your legs are your wheels, and um, you you've got your aerobic engine, and so you want to make those legs as strong as possible. I mean, they're doing the work. I mean, I think trail running more than any other sport is probably a more than any other running sport is a um a whole body more of a whole body activity. Like, you know, do you, you have to be you have to have a good core to hold things together. I mean, you see people who have bad core, um, and they just when you get really. I mean, I know when my core is weak, I you know I feel like I'm falling apart at the end of a race more so. Um, I think that's where it hits you. It's the, it's the back end of the race where the strength work really comes into its own. Yeah. And that's where you'll feel the difference. Absolutely. Even though you might not, you might feel like shit, but if your body can still hold together, you know, that's that's the, the victory right there. So um, that's really, yeah, excellent. Have you ever had like a really bad race experience? Like what's your worst race experience that you've had? Um, I probably two spring to mind. Um, my first time at Surf Coast Century. Um, I'm not entirely sure what happened, but I'd eaten something that didn't agree with me. Um, and uh, I, I went to the communal kind of eating the night before, so I don't know whether it was that. Uh, I've no idea, but yeah, I spent most of my time in that race um, in the bush oh. toilet. Yeah, oh so that, that that wasn't great. And I got to uh, the aid station just over halfway um, and I literally got in there and thought, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to have to call it a day. But then a few K before hitting the aid station, things turned around and I managed to finish the event. So I was really pleased that I managed to finish it. Yeah. But at the same time, disappointed because all the training that you put in in the lead up to an event and something so simple can just mess the day up. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, you just got to change your mind and your attitude towards the day, I think, at that point. And, you know, for me, it was a case of, well, I'm not going to have the day that I wanted. However, this can still be a really good training session. So if I can still get 100k in the legs, then why not? It doesn't matter how long it takes me, just, you know, use it as a training run. Um, yeah. 
so yeah it's it, it just yeah you, it, it's expectations isn't it you go into an event and you have these self-expectations and you just have to know how to change things up I suppose so that you can make the most of whatever the situation is at the time yeah and then oh, the yeah. other one is my uh I went to the UK to do Lakeland 100, which is a 100-mile event through the Lake District. Oh, yeah. Um, so so I was almost becoming an ultra runner um, in my 100-mile attempt, but at 124k, I got pulled by the medics. Oh, no. <laughs> so, you yeah. Yeah. I I got caught in a storm um, up on one of the mountains, and um, it, it was, yeah, it was pretty horrendous out there and um, when I got to the yeah I'd got to the aid station I had all of my safety gear on so I had three layers thermal my running gear my thermals and my waterproofs on top but the the storm was that bad that it had gone straight through my waterproofs I was cold to the bone and I was yeah. literally blue and they yeah they they said I wasn't able to carry on which you know I, in hindsight I could understand, but my legs felt really good. So I was yeah. so disappointed. It is well, at least in that situation, the decision was taken out of your hands. It wasn't the like you was taken out. And I and I reached that mm. I had to turn it around and say, Well, I did the longest I've ever done. I think I got to 124k and I was like, right, well that's the longest I've ever done. So yeah. we'll just we'll take that box instead and just take it, you know, take it for what it is. Yeah. Do you, so you try and exactly, you've got to try and learn from those sorts of things. And it, like I say, it wasn't so, it was beyond your control. That was, you know, that was, yeah, that's really good. I mean, not good, but it's good that you could look at it like that. Um, do you generally, I mean, I'd, we'd set off the night before and the guys were running without tops on and every, all the women were in singlets. It was that hot, which is unusual for the UK. And the yeah, fork wow. of the storm for the following day wasn't forecast. So it caught so many people out. I think the DNF rate that year was unbelievable. Um, yeah. And I think the learning for me was when you're out in the mountains, you know, I ticked all the boxes for mandatory gear. But I just took the lightest waterproofs and thermals that I could get yeah. away with, not thinking for one minute that they would ever come out of my pack. Yep. So that was huge learning for me. You know, I'll I'll never do that again. If I'm in the mountains, I'll make sure that my gear can cope with it because, you know, like I said, I had three layers on and I was blue. If I'd have had top quality yeah. gear, I'd, I may have been able to finish the race. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a really, I mean, a lot of people want to cut the corners as much as possible, but I mean, that sounds like what you what you described then with the the weather forecast. It sounds like a race director's worst nightmare because you know no race director wants anyone to die on their watch, you know. And but like potentially when it's like that, people can die, and you know you're in the mountains, it's freezing cold, so it's great that um no, I'm assuming no one did, but uh, so um. Did you, here's a question for you. Did you um, get your emergency space blanket out? Yes, I did. You had to, that's, at least if you had that on. Did you have it on while you're running? Not whilst I was running, but um, because all the gear, so the aid station, this, this course, you couldn't have any crew and you couldn't have any outside assistance. It was disqualification if somebody even handed you a gel. So, the, you know, even at the yeah. aid stations, people weren't allowed to help you other than the volunteers. So, but this particular aid station that I'd got to after this storm, spectators weren't even allowed there. It was that remote. So when we got there, it was only people that were part of the race. And there was um, a medical tent and a, a bus 
to take people back to the start line. So because yeah. I got there, they made me strip down because all my clothes were wet. And then they I had to put my space blanket on. And then I yeah. had to get spare space blankets from the medical tent. And then I sat in the bus with my space blankets on whilst they fed me soup. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, how back to being a child <laughs> no and it's nice to get nurtured that way when you you know when it's all falling apart but i mean it, it you know the thing is it's like those space blankets are incredible i've used it while running before i've wrapped it around my i took my my jacket off and i put my um i folded it so it just would cover my torso and i put my my jacket and my pack over the top and it was um it was amazing it actually made me almost too hot so yeah. that was, I don't know, they're, they're a good, that's like a last resort, you know, but I mean, yeah. no one wants to think that you're going to have to use that. So yeah, it's, and, and like we're running, the thing about trail running, the, the thing that's attractive about it is also the thing that's very dangerous about it. You know, you're up in the mountains, in the wild, and essentially you are in the wild. And so anything can happen, can't it? So Yeah. yeah. Like you say, that, that, that's sometimes what entices you. But, yeah, you've got to be prepared for it. And in all honesty, I wasn't as prepared as I should have been from a gear perspective. And, uh, yeah, that was yeah. certainly lesson learned. Yeah, very uh, interesting lessons. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, do you have – I've got two sort of questions before we finish up. Um, the first one is just basically, do you have a favourite race that you've done, like, just in terms of the course and the experience in overall? Um, a favourite race? Oh, that, that is a very difficult one because I've done yeah. so many beautiful races. Um, but the one that I've been back to oh, it's three times I've been there now would be Razorback. Um, yep. And I think it's a combination of factors. That I, like I said before, I like how it's kind of – raw and rugged and you have to be so sufficient out there you know the course yeah. isn't marked the trails are difficult you've got three huge climbs there incredible views um so yeah all of those factors being you know being a climber well, I say being a climber yeah. that's the, the thing I love the most is climbing hills so yeah. it ticks so many boxes for me and it's just such a spectacular place in Australia so I would yeah. probably say, yeah, that that area um, is probably one of my favourite areas. Wonderful. Um, yeah, it is a beautiful part of the world. I think, um, yeah, I um, if you could like, if you could Frankenstein together your favourite race, it'd obviously be a mountainous race. Like if you could build build a race, you what would you have? Just just continuous mountains running across single track mountain ranges or <laughs> well, what would you do yeah that sounds perfect single track yeah. mountain ranges yeah where you've got some magnificent views some fabulous climbs um i don't mind some pinchy gradients but i also like the gradients that you can just kind of head down and and um and work your way up um the descent's not too steep i wouldn't have them too steep <laughs> well, no actually you know what i would do for you I, the, to build the ideal race i would have the finish line at, at the top of the mountain oh so that the, would be perfect so it's one less descent for you to worry about <laughs> absolutely yeah see razorback yeah. you've got an 11 kilometer of downhill before you get to the finish line and yeah. that, that's always tough <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely. that's very tough for me I, I would much prefer to finish on the top of rate of the top of mount feathertop 
Yeah. No, there you go. So look, if you ever go into race directing, just have a race that finishes on the top of the mountain or doing like, I don't know, one of those vertical Ks or something like a vertical. Would you ever yeah, do something? Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's, that's good. I um, I was going to say, so my, this leads me to my next question. What are your future goals? Like, do you have any big races in mind or that you'd like to do next year or in the future, in the next couple of years? Something, yeah. something epic? Oh yeah, um, I suppose next year's um, there's a still question marks over travel, travel. because of yes. COVID. Yeah, so at the moment I'm booked in for Tarawera in February. Oh yeah, um, I'm. It's probably not the best race for me in that it's it's not an overly hilly hundred kilometers, um, but looking at the race videos and the photographs it looks absolutely amazing the trails look beautiful so that that sold me yeah, yeah we're gonna we're gonna head over there uh, my daughter's coming with me so she'll hopefully get the uh the chance to run the last 5k in with mum which will be lovely and lovely. Um, i've also got a, a friend coming over doing the 50k so yeah we're having a girly weekend away in new zealand <laughs> which will be nice That's um yeah. And after that, it's yeah, still a bit of a question mark. I um I was supposed to do Lavarado in June this year. Yeah. And obviously didn't nope. happen. Yeah. So that's been deferred to twenty twenty one, but we're not gonna be able to travel internationally by June, I don't think. Um so whether that becomes 2022, uh, I'm not entirely sure yet. It's kind of penciled in. Um, but I think my my dream over the next few years, providing we can travel, would be to do a race called the Ultra Trail Snowdonia. Snowdonia? Yes, yeah, so that's uh, in Snowdonia National Park uh, in Wales in the UK. Yeah. Um, and it looks absolutely amazing. It's it's a part of the country that I always loved when I lived over there. Um, and they've now got um, this race that's on the Ultra Trail World Tour. Um, and it looks absolutely amazing. So, yeah, um, yeah have a look. Look it up. And, yeah, the, the pictures just look out of this world. Sounds really and, good. And they get to see family as well at the same time. So that's like a double whammy. Perfect. Um, I think um, that sounds fun. I know Tarawera. I mean, you might have to get out and hit some flat and some, do some flat running for a change. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, get some. Be, it might be also be a good opportunity to see how fast you can cover the uh, the distance. You know, because so, I, when, interesting. Because yeah. as you say towards the end, you know, you you certainly feel it whether it's hilly or flat. Um, but different. yeah, what I'm hoping to do with the training is. Um, is end some of my longer runs with uh, more of a flatter tempo. So yeah. that's what I'll kind of transition to over the next couple of months. It's, I think it's a good – I'm always I'm, – as much as I love climbing and stuff, I'm a big advocate for really putting in plenty of – or a fair bit of flat running to offset all the up and downs because, you know, we – I mean, especially here in Adelaide, we've got – it's plenty hilly, but – there's still even like, as you know, running Urabilla, even Urabilla has lots of flat runnable sections in it, you know, and that's that's a pretty hilly race. But, you know, there's always – if you can run well on the flat, it's going to translate a little bit to the trail, to, you know, to um to some hills. It's going to help you. So, um yeah, I think that will be interesting to see how you go on that. And I really do hope the uh, that things continue to progress well with – um 
with the COVID situation and we can all go back to traveling and doing big adventures. So, um, yeah, no, that's, re- that's very cool. Um, yeah, I guess, well, I guess it's probably as good a place as any to wrap things up for you. Um, it's been really nice to chat to you again. And I suppose, um, uh, the big question is, this is one from all everyone here in South Australia. Are we ever going to see you here again? <laughs> Come and do a race. Yeah, might have to talk my, my domestic race. Yeah, I will. I definitely will. Um, I uh, my daughter's got a, a a good friend that she's kind of grown up with in the primary school, and um, she wants to you know to go to South Australia to visit her. So um, I'm going to try and plan that in with a, a race weekend sometime, maybe next year, um, depending on um, race dates and things. But yeah, I will definitely be back over, if not next year, the year after. Excellent. Well, you you know, I'm pretty sure there's still some uh, Strava segments with your name on it. So, um, <laughs> and so it'd be, and I, and I tell you what, the scene has grown exponentially here since you left. And uh, some of that, yeah, the, the the trail numbers are, yeah, they they've grown so much, and I've been seeing, you know, what Mick's been doing with some of the trail kids and things, and yeah, it looks, yeah. It looks like it's uh, really taken off over there, which is fantastic. Yeah, it is. It is really fantastic. So there's lots of things, to ch- races to choose from, and uh, oh, it's been an interesting year with COVID because I think it's it's forced people to think laterally. I think all around the world, but um, you know, there's new events and new sort of FKT things have popped up here and there, and so yeah, so definitely you know, come yeah, come run on uh, some nice hills here in in uh, Adelaide again, and we'll uh, yep. we'll have to catch up for a run. That would be marvellous. All right. We'll say goodbye to the podcast here. And uh, thanks again, Hayley Teal. Thanks very much. It's been great chatting. Cheers. Cheers.